That's, that's good. I'm glad that came up then. Is this going to work, do you think? Yeah, okay, we'll try for that. So <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's wonderful. What we're going to do over the next few weeks is share the different activities uh, that are going to be happening during Tomokanga. And when we've got a little bit more idea, we'll share about the Sundays and how that is. Um, but what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about something, uh, about the power of walking across a room and the difference that can occur. Because part of what we're doing in Tomokanga is we will be walking across rooms. And we'll, that will become very clear as I share what I want to talk about today. The first thing is that, um, did that work? Yes, it did. Fantastic. The first thing is that the power of a simple walk. You know, in your lifetime, you'll walk roughly 200,000 kilometers. That's around about four times around this planet. That's phenomenal. Which means that also each day you will travel around 10,000 steps. Now, those of you who's got the, you know, the whatever, you'll find out whether you, you do your 10,000 or not. But roughly, we do 10,000 steps every day. The question, the challenge that I keep asking myself is, and I want to ask you is, are you using your steps wisely? Are you making every step count? Now, a hero of mine, Bill Hybels, who's written some books, and one of his books, actually named Walk Across the Room, uh, tells a story about he was at a business function, and he met a man, uh, he was an African-American, and uh, when he was introduced to him, he, f he thought, wow, that's a very Muslim-sounding name. Anyway, the meal got on. Did I just do something? No, that's all right. I pushed the one on the side. Oh, that turned me down. Does that mean I go quieter if I keep pressing the minus and plus? No, anyway. So he, he tells a story about... Um, so he's sitting down opposite this, this Muslim guy on the meal. A lot of chatter going on. And during the meal... The Muslim guy mouths across to Bill and says, I love your books, which really intrigued Bill. So after the meal, he got in conversation with him and said, look, tell me your story. Tell me what happened. He said, well, listen, I often go to business functions and I go to parties. And what normally happens with me is... After a bit of small talk, a few business connections, then I find myself at the side of the room or in the corner by myself. Nobody really wants to engage with me. I feel on the edge. But he said, what happened to me was, on one occasion, I was at one of these functions, same old thing, I was in a corner, and I was just observing the different groups, the huddles of people, the cliques around the room. And he said, I noticed one man who seemed to be in his circle of comfort. He seemed to be comfortable with people like him. And what he noticed about this guy was suddenly the guy looked up, noticed the Muslim guy, left his circle of comfort, and walked across a room, and extended his hand to him, shook his hand, and introduced him. Now they had a bit of small talk, finding out about family, finding out about business. Eventually they got on to faith. And the Muslim man says that he followed Islam. 
To which the guy said, well, that's absolutely fascinating. He said, I follow Jesus, but I'm really intrigued to find out what it is that makes you tick, and I want to know more about Islam. Would you spend some time with me explaining where you're at and why and how you, you believe, what you believe? What that triggered was um, a number of coffees, lunches over weeks, great friendship came up, and all the Christian guy did was offer friendship and listen. And over the months, what happened was he unpacked these questions, he talked about his faith, and then eventually the Muslim guy said to the Christian, you know, I'm really fascinated to know about your faith. Would you tell me about your Christianity? And so he started to share. Anyway, what happened was, over uh, some weeks, one day, the Muslim man, when he's home alone, by himself in the house, he kneels by his bed and commits his life to Jesus. And what's also, what also happened after that was several of his family also made their journey towards Jesus. That's awesome. That's a powerful story. And it all started because one guy was prepared to leave his own circle of comfort and walk across the room to a complete stranger to risk everything just to do that. He just walked 10 steps across a room. Didn't take much to do. Think about that. What if a simple walk across a room, say 10 steps, just 10 out of your 10,000 a day, was able to change someone's eternal destiny? I mean, wouldn't it make life worth living? It would be fantastic. There we go. But it's not the first time that somebody has walked across a room. Sung about it today. We sung about what Jesus has done for us. Paul encourages us in Philippians 2 uh, to uh, consider or to imitate, to think about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That's what I love about Jesus. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus saw people, saw us, saw the world. People who are broken, people who are alone, people who are messed up, people who are locked in sin, people who have been abused. He saw the whole world who were distant from God. And then Jesus, what did he do? He left his own circle of comfort. The wonder of being in heaven, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, communion together. God didn't need anything else. He was complete. He was sufficient. 
He was in his circle of comfort. What does Jesus do? He leaves that circle of comfort. He travels over time and space. He becomes human. And he uses his steps to step into our universe and connect with us. The power of the walk that Jesus did. And then on the cross, he stretches out his hands. And he stretches out his arms wide. But what's he doing? He is saying, come on in. You can know. He now offers forgiveness. He offers reconciliation. He offers wholeness. He offers a sense of destiny and purpose. He offers us everything that we had not got. He comes because he loved us. And he reconciles us to the Father. And then he takes us. And he takes our hand. And he places it in the hand of the Heavenly Father. And says, now you're part of the family. Because he loved us. You see, Jesus was always focused on people. He loved people. It was a passion of his life. It's the very reason he left heaven to come to earth. He didn't come to prove who he was. He didn't come to make a statement. He, didn't, he came for people. That's the sole purpose he came for the world. He loved the world. Whether it's people who are sick or lonely, whether it's they're hurt or bruised, Jesus sees the person in front of them as an object of God's love, an object of mercy, an object of value. I love the encounters uh, through the Bible of Jesus encountering people. Think of the the story, the famous story of the woman, woman caught in sin. John 8, you'll find that. There's a woman caught in sin, she'd messed up. She'd been caught in the act of of adultery, so it says. How you do that, I don't know. But anyway, this poor woman is racked with shame. She's been exposed. And the religious leaders come and drag her and throw her at the feet of Jesus. The religious leaders know, well, legally, this woman deserved death. That was the law. And they throw her down at the feet of Jesus to put Jesus to the test. They're watching him. Is he going to uphold the law? Or is he going to go soft on the law or sweep it under the carpet? What's Jesus going to do? And they're watching Jesus. They're like, what's he going to do? I wonder how you'd feel. I know I'd be, I don't know, I'd be petrified, eh? Well, what Jesus does, he wrecks the day of the religious leaders. He just ruins their day. That's what he does, because what he then says is, look, he says, if anyone else hasn't got sin in their life, they can throw the first rock. And then dead silence is around the room, or wherever they are. And all of a sudden there's a thud as someone drops their rock and quietly walks away. And then there's another thud as someone else drops their rock because they know I can't throw this at that woman. I can't accuse her because I know what's in my heart. And then suddenly it's thud, 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 thud. All around the place, rocks drop to the ground and people disappear until there is only the woman and Jesus. 
What's Jesus going to do? What's he going to do? Ironically, Jesus is the only one who could have thrown a rock. Because he was perfect. But what does he do? He comes and kneels down to where the woman is, looks her in the eye and says, I haven't come to condemn you. That's not why I came. I came to save you. I came to rescue you. I haven't come to point the finger. Now leave your life of sin and receive a new life. The tenderness of Jesus. What is our God like? He's like Jesus. He's like that. He's someone who can come to someone who's messed up badly. And they can receive mercy. You see, every one of us has messed up. I loved breaking bread today and just understanding that Jesus had gone to the cross for me. Because I know my faults. And I know that he loves me. And I know he came for me. And he came for you too. All of us have messed up. Every one of us needs to know the unconditional love of God. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. That's why today Jesus is walking across the room to you and to me. He's walking across the room to you, to reach you, to connect with you, to offer you mercy, to offer us forgiveness, to offer us heaven's embrace, to offer us reconciliation with the Father. It's his heart. And the Bible says, today, if you hear his voice, don't turn away. If you've never come to Jesus, if you've never received his mercy, receive it today. That's the message of the Bible. Some of you may say, well, I can't because I've sinned or because I'm locked in this or that and the other new thing. This excludes me. I want to tell you this. Jesus shows no one is excluded from his mercy. No one is excluded from his mercy. The reason for Tomokanga is saying the gateway is open. Not just the gateway to the church, the gateway to heaven is open. God loves to restore people to himself. That's his heart and passion. And that's why we walk across rooms. Because he did. That's because we learn to love the one in front. Because he did. That's why we increasingly want to be thoroughly inclusive where anybody can come and find mercy. Because that's what he modelled. We want to catch his heart. Tomokanga is not just a three-week, woohoo! It's a let's catch God's heart. And everything that God's put inside of us, let others know the goodness of God. Let others know what God is like. Whew. That's why we walk across rooms, we walk across cafes, we walk across streets, we walk across the gym, we walk across the office, we walk across the supermarket to the aisle that we don't really want to go to because we don't need anything down there, but God has pointed someone out there. I just had a text from a, a, a dear friend, neighbour, didn't know them at all, but when they were building the house several years ago, 
we saw them on their plot of land just opposite us. We'd finished ours. We walked across the street and extended a hand of friendship. We had them round for drinks. Texting us this morning, this after several years, we need to get together again. Long and overdue. We've shared stuff. We've prayed with them. They know where we are. They haven't yet come to Jesus, but hey, I'm like we walk across streets, we walk across rooms, because he did. That's what we're trying to catch is his heart. Hallelujah. You see, we are carrying the greatest gift ever. It's more than... uh, If we realised the privilege that we had to not only come to the God that we don't deserve, we don't deserve his love, we don't deserve his forgiveness, because all of our life we were sticking up two fingers in his direction until his mercy found us. If you realised how much he loved you, if I realised that, when we realised the depth of his love, it makes walking across the room a lot easier. Because all you're doing is sharing something that's become real to you. You're not trying to pump up some religious presentation. You're sharing his love that's changed you, that's accepted you. You know, sometimes when I felt the worst about myself is the easiest time to share about the love of God because when I know how, he might, how much he accepts me, I'm able to share that unconditional love in a way that sounds real and doesn't sound like a presentation because I can share out of my brokenness and out of my own journey and how I found mercy when I didn't feel I deserved it. When you realise how much we carry... The, you see, the greatest gift you can offer someone is a, a gift you can't wrap up. The greatest gift you can give someone is an introduction to Father God who cares for them. Jesus said this, freely you have received, freely give. So if you and I have tasted of his love, if we've received that in our heart, there's a natural overflow. And we're saying, let it flow. Church, let it flow. Let the love of God flow from us. Don't put a lid on it. You can't put a lid on it. You mustn't put a lid on it. What's the point of putting a lid on it? His love's for sharing. Jesus said this. In effect, what he says is, what I did when I walked across the room 2,000 years ago, I want you to do. I don't want you to be motivated by guilt, by pressure, by fear. I want you to catch my heart for people, my passion for people, my devotion to people. I want you to catch that. Living as though you truly believed that the people you meet, the people in your whānau, they would just be better off with the love of God in their hearts. They'd be better off if they knew your heavenly Father. That's what Jesus is wanting us to do. It's being willing to seize every moment to give people an opportunity to meet the Jesus that we've met. Think of your own story. Think of your own journey to Jesus. Not only did Jesus pursue you, others took risk for you. Others 
walked across a room for you. Others left their circle of comfort for you. They didn't stay with what was comfortable. They risked something. And somewhere on your journey, that happened. They carried the precious gift they'd been given and offered it to you. So Tomokanga, as I say, is not just a three-week event. It's actually about catching God's heart and encouraging us to become a channel of his love. A few years ago, and this was, I, I, I can't remember whether it's four years ago, uh, Pete received this encouraging letter, and I'm just going to read an extract from this letter. So this lady writes, My name is Nikki, and I hope you could ensure that this letter uh, makes its way to the intended recipient. Even if you can't, perhaps this letter might inspire others at your church to step out in faith. A couple of weeks ago, this is a few years ago, a couple of weeks ago, we were challenged at our church to send a letter of thanks to those people who were directly responsible for us becoming Christians and telling them, uh, telling, telling them of the impact that their actions had on our lives. And she says, approximately seven years ago, when I was in Wellington Hospital A&E in pain and waiting to see a surgeon, a man came in named Steve and he approached me. We chatted for a few minutes and then he offered to pray for me. Steve was there because a boy from the youth camp he was currently on had injured himself and needed to go to hospital. He had a shoulder injury playing rugby. After praying for me and giving his testimony, he invited me to attend King's Church, which at the time met in Parramatta School. So this is going back a few years. I mentioned this to my mother and also my kids, and we all decided we would try church, but ended up going to Hosanna in Porirua instead. Over the coming weeks and months... My mother, one of my daughters, and I gave our lives to the Lord. Fast forward two years from there, and I met my husband, who is also a Christian. My husband and I have now got a child of our own, as well as him having one from a previous relationship. So now our family of six are all involved with Life Switch Church in the hut and we're living a God-filled life in Lower Hut. This means that three generations of my family are now Christians, all because Steve stepped out of his comfort zone and offered to pray for just one person that he saw. Thank you, Steve, for the awesome effect that your one small act of obedience had on me, Nikki. Hallelujah! Isn't that awesome? Oh. We're just so grateful that heaven will be full of these sorts of stories. You never, ever know what effect you're going to have. Steve, I met with him on um, Friday and said again, like I said, we just want to share this story again. It's just so encouraging. But you see, now it's our turn, not just for Tomokanga. This is what God wants us to be. 
It's our life's mission. We want to be those that step out of our comfort zones, ready to pray for people, ready to befriend people, ready to help people, demonstrating God's love and power, taking deliberate steps towards people, serving them in different ways, demonstrating the power and love of God wherever we can, moving them closer to Jesus as someone did with us once. We want to step out and welcome people who are different from us. We love being a multicultural church. In fact, what was lovely with the youth camp or the camp last week, when our youth walked in from like seven different nations, <laughs> everyone just applauded. They were just like, whoa, what's going on with your church? We told them about what God's doing. Seeking to build a multicultural family where everyone finds a Turanga Waibai here. That's what God wants. Because heaven's going to be like that. That's part of our journey. So we want to reach out to people who are like us and who are not like us. People who have different worldviews from us. Because Jesus did that when our worldview was completely different to his. We want to be a blessing through Tomakanga and other things. We want to be a welcoming church that anyone can come in. and Anyone who's seeking God can find him. We want to invite people to Alpha. We're going to be running Alpha on the end of Tomakanga. Give an opportunity for people to discover and make their own steps and have their own journey following Jesus. I just want to finish with this one quote from Bill Hybels again. He says, as you love people... In fact, can we stand? And I'll read this quote. As you love people, serve people, restore broken people, redirect wayward people and point them to faith in Christ, you reaffirm your understanding of your primary mission in the world. I'm going to read that again because this is what life's about. If you ask Jesus, this is what his life was about, and we're called to follow him. Something you may want to close your eyes as I read it. Let God speak to your heart. As you love people, as you serve people, as you restore broken people and redirect wayward people and point them to faith in Christ, you reaffirm your understanding of your primary mission in the world. Father, we want to thank you that you ever made the first move on us. When we weren't looking for you, you came looking for us. When we were broken and had no way of fixing ourselves. you came. You walked across a room for us. Thank you. When we were sick, you came and healed us. Thank you. When we felt we deserved nothing but judgment, 
your mercy came for us. And Father, we're asking, we want to be a church that reflects your heart. Father, we want to be a church that reflects your heart. And I want to ask you over this season, as we lead towards Tomokanga and beyond, we say, Father, would you do some deep things in our hearts and show us again your great love. I pray overwhelm us with your love for us, that we would understand how much you love others. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for any here who don't currently know you, who are not sure of where they are with you, who wished that they were on the inside but feel on the outside. Father, even now, draw them. Draw them to you. Draw them to you. I want to say to you, if you don't know Jesus, if you wouldn't currently call yourself a Christian, maybe you'd say, I'm seeking. I'd like to know more. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is walking across this hall to you. He's not coming with rocks to accuse. He's coming with tender compassion. He went to the cross for you. He went to the cross for you. Which means that he took all the rubbish in your life, the stuff you're ashamed of, the stuff you'd hate us to put up on the screen right now, the stuff that you'd prefer to keep hidden. He took that on himself. He took the rap for it. So you don't need to. So that you can be reconciled to the God who loves you passionately. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. He'll draw you right into his family. Because that's the sort of God he is. He won't reject. He won't turn you away. He'll welcome you. As we close this time, or as we, at the end of the meeting, I want to give you a chance to come to Him and get right with Him. He's literally a prayer away. He's done all of the running to us. Giant leaps across time and space to this day in history to meet you. I want to encourage you, surrender your life to Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer in a minute. I just suddenly felt the Holy Spirit come upon me with an urgency and for him to say, today is the day. And it says that in the Bible somewhere. Today is the day that he wants you to make this decision. Don't put it off anymore. Today is the day. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And you'll know right now if that's you because there'll be something in you that says, that's definitely me. There'll be a heart thumping. There'll be something in you that you just know. And there'll be a fight in you too. 
we go, oh, can I, can't I? Jesus said, yes, you can. Today's the day. Today's the day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's come and pray a prayer. This is the sort of prayer, prayer you pray when you come to Jesus. And if you want to make this prayer your own, you can do that. Thank you, Father. So I'll pray it out. You can pray it in your head. God will hear. He knows what's in your heart. Father, I thank you that you've pointed me out today. Your finger's been all over me. I've felt your presence. I felt like squirming. I felt like running. But something in me says I want to run to you right now. I come to you because I feel broken and messed up. I feel disconnected from you and I want to be in. I want to be in your family. I know I've messed up. I want your forgiveness. I come to you and say, would you now cleanse me and forgive me? Thank you, Jesus. You died for me that I could be cleansed and forgiven. And I'm coming and saying, I want to follow you. I want to be yours. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing me. Thank you for knocking on the heart of my door, uh, knocking the door on the door of my heart today. Today, I open that door. Say, Jesus, would you come in? In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Listen, if you've prayed that prayer, um, I'd love, I'd love to, to chat with you. So when we close, we're closing just a sec. We'll have to get the kids. For those of you who have uh, kids out with the, in the creche or the kids' ministry, you'll have to go and collect them. But just to say, if, if you've made that response in your heart or you wanted to, or today's been a day that God's tapped you on the shoulder and you're coming back to Jesus, I'd love you to just come down, chat with us, come with a friend, love to pray with you because God loves you don't let this moment pass this is a moment where God is getting your attention out of love let him catch your eye cool let's say that's it for now go and get kids if you got kids if you haven't, don't get them, because so, that'll be wrong. So it's a safe place. We're going to have um, refreshments out here. But if you want to come.